guys and welcome to Happy Single Mums, a podcast surrounding real single mummy life. So, here's your host, me, Khalifa. Hey guys, and welcome to the Happy Single Moms podcast. I'm your host, Khalifa. Today, guys, we have a magnificent man. He's actually my pastor. <laughs> um, he's got a, a wonderful church called City Chapel, and um, the place is awesome, guys. It's um, a community church. You feel like you're yeah, like you're welcome. Um, he's very, very knowledgeable, hence why I've asked him to come onto the platform because we're going to be talking about if a Christian can get a divorce and it's such a touchy subject because I know a lot of people are in marriages that are empty shell and one of the reasons why they stay there is because they feel like they have to endure because there's a particular verse in the bible that says God hates divorce so I am pastor Jonathan here he actually has um his own school of ministry and he discussed whether a Christian can get a divorce hence why I wanted him to come onto the platform because some of the things that he says guys I have never legit heard a pastor say before so I really really felt like it was so pinnacle for him to come on because yeah, we need this knowledge and knowledge is power. That's what the Bible says, I believe. But you're a pastor, so you can <laughs> let me know a bit more. <laughs> pastor Jonathan, please let the audience know a bit about yourself. Wow. Well, my name is Jonathan and my son name Uluide means that the one with wealth or the one with honor has arrived. I have two lovely kids, Sam and Hanita, and my wife is a force of nature. She is wonderful. Um, I'm a Manchester United fan. Sorry, guys, for those of you that, uh, you know, so I'm right now going through a lot of depression and uh, heaviness <laughs> because of football. I'm joking. Um, I, I'm very much involved with uh, rallying the church together for prayer across the British Isles and um, Ireland. Um, rallied people together in stadiums to pray. Um, as um, Toby has said, we have and are involved with a, a, a movement called City Chapel, which is a vision of a, a community of people expressing their gifts and maximizing their potential. And that's why I'm so proud to be on this platform where um, Toby is, um, you know, putting out these wonderful podcasts, you know, and releasing her skill in oratory and conversation, you know, this platform. So I'm really, I, I really love um, engage with people's vision so I'm happy to be here oh that's brilliant yeah you call me Toby guys by the way Toby's my middle name um everyone calls me <laughs> Khalifa but because we're close yeah all my close friends and family call me Toby guys so just in case you lot didn't know who he was talking about like who's Toby so um could you tell me firstly how you became saved and also why is Jesus needed so much in our society oh that's a that's a big one um <laughs> I got saved and I, I like to tell my story. I wrote a book recently called Vision of Lights in which I shared my salvation story. And when I share this, sometimes my Muslim family or brothers, you know, get, gets their back up. But um, we used to, I used to be Muslim. I used to come from a Muslim family. And one question that Islam could not answer for me was, why doesn't Allah speak to me directly? Why can't I have a relationship with Allah? And that was a question that was running through my head for all through my teens. Going to medical school at 18, 19, running to this wonderful, crazy bunch 
who call themselves born-again Christians. But what struck me was when they kept on saying, God said this, God said that. And I was wondering, God speaks to you? And one day I attended their prayer meeting. It was a prayer meeting that ran from midnight to the early morning. And when I walked into the church, God began to speak to me. And God said, receive Jesus. And, and I said, God, why are you speaking to me in a church? I've wanted to speak to you all my life. And he said, receive my, my son. So I went to the front to ask, to say, look, I want Jesus. So they said to me, do you want to become a Christian? Khalifa, <laughs> I said, no, I don't want to become a Christian. I just want Jesus. Because my dad, I said, don't become a Christian. Wow. Um, so I did not want to become a Christian, but I wanted Jesus. So they didn't know what to do with me. So they put me to a side and some people came to speak to me. And they said, okay, if you want Jesus, we'll give you Jesus. And this is how you receive him. And they led me in the prayer and I received Jesus and I began to speak in this um, interesting language. And that's how I became born again and th that night. And that's my salvation story. And interestingly enough, I went to bed in my hostel, which caught fire and I, we were trying to escape. And the only way I could escape was to jump onto the, or the other roof, which was 30 feet away. As I jumped, my friends could not jump, could not jump. And the voice from the church said, pray for your friends. So I knelt down to pray for my friends and I wake up. It's a dream. And I said, wake up out of this dream. That same day, as I wake up out of this dream, the voice says to me, you've escaped from the fire. Begin to pray for your friends and your family to escape from the fire. And I realized that the decision I had made in the church was an escape from the fire of hell. Yeah. And it was not possible to jump that kind of distance from rooftop to rooftop. And I had to pray for my friends and my family to escape from the fire of hell. And that's how I became a Christian, Khalifa. Oh my God, that is, yeah, it's funny how um, dreams are kind of a reflection of what reality actually is. I'm, I, I dream a lot and yeah, it's just, it's amazing that you're, whilst you're relaxed, your brain is just giving you like, um, yeah, it's just giving you stories and it's kind of parallel to what's happening in reality. So yeah. Why do you think it's so important for um, us in, in our society, everyone that survived this global pandemic? Um, why do we need Jesus? Ah, <laughs> well, did, did, if, you, if, you, if you drill down to DNA of Jesus, yes. you will find love. Jesus added up all the scriptures in the Old and New Testament. And he said, it's summarized in these two statements, love God, love your neighbor. Mm. And I believe the reason why we need Jesus because we need love in our society more than ever. Because Jesus had a, high, much, a, high, a much higher level of tolerance yeah. for people. He loved people. And he was able to make people come in loving, loving relationship with God. And I believe that if we have Jesus in our society, number one, we'll be more tolerant of each other. The, our society will be healthier. We would love each other better. And those who are vulnerable and our children will be in a safer environment. That's why I believe society needs Jesus. Yeah, yeah, you're completely right in regards to, to love. Um, do you feel like Jesus teaches you how to love? Because ideally, if we're saying we should love our neighbors, what about people that actually don't even love themselves? How then can they love their neighbor? <laughs> well, Jesus kind, kind of shows that in the way he dealt with the woman at the well, yeah. um, who was on her sixth partner. Yeah. 
and who came to the well alone in that society. The women went early in the morning as a community, as a, as a, and groups in bands. Nobody goes to the well on your own because somebody has to pull out the water while you're um, pouring it out. And there's all this co um, collaboration going on. And she's the only one that goes on her own. And, you know, many theologians feel it's because of the stigma on her and she doesn't have that many friends. But Jesus connects with her, even though she's a Samaritan, somebody who he's not supposed to be talking to. And she's a woman, and rabbis don't necessarily speak to women on their own. So Jesus breaks all kinds of stereotypes. And I believe that she exemplifies, just like the woman caught in adultery, who he pardoned and released. Jesus is a person who, or Jesus exemplifies the fact that we have to reach out and cross the room to the one who is different, to the one who feels let down, the one who feels left out, to the outcast. That's Jesus. And he shows it in so many stories. I could I could do a whole sermon here, but that's not the reason why we're here. But that's brilliant what you said in regards to Jesus, like showing what love is and having quote unquote grace. Um, I think personally for me, um, sometimes when I would go to church, I didn't experience love. And you would think that churches mm. are for like the healthy, churches for everyone that's broken. No one is completely whole anyway. But I, um, I think oftentimes when you go to church, you kind of want to have that embrace and that love. And sometimes you don't, you're not always met with it. But, yeah. By the way, guys, their church actually, I've experienced love from their church. I call them real Christians, <laughs> by the way. But in my in my past, because um, I've, I've been, quote unquote, a Christian all my life, even though I didn't start taking it seriously until recently with the pandemic, because we don't know whether we're in end times or not. <laughs> but um, yeah, what about people, especially single moms that go to church and they kind of want that love from, from people. They want that community and they don't experience it from the one place they think they should actually receive it. That, that's 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 a tragedy to be honest it's a it's double jeopardy because on one hand you 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 go to the hospital because you want somebody to help bandage your wound mm -hmm. you get to the hospital and somebody says why did you why did you you know you shouldn't do this and yeah. they start telling you off for, yeah. <laughs> for injuring yourself no doctor does that no paramedic does that they just treat you mm -hmm. irrespective of how and in what way that that happened and I feel that that's what the church should do better with, um, rather than turn itself into a club, understand it's a hospital and it's open and it's 24 hours and anybody can come in any condition and we're supposed to fix them, support them, um, what's the word, heal them, mm -hmm. um, make them feel welcome. And that's what the church is. It's a hospital, not a club. So those who kind of condemn or come across in a particular way it's because they think that the church is a club it's, it's not a club it's a hospital and we're all sick one way or the other and we all need healing we're all in the doctor and, and Jesus is our doctor yeah that's so true um and ultimately I think that anyone that's listening you don't have to be holy because I, I hear it a lot I don't want to go to church I'm not holy I'm not I'm not perfect I'm not nobody is perfect at all everyone has their own secret battles something that they're, they're worried about or you know even pastors as well sometimes you hear some of the things that pastors have, have gone through um and you think oh my god you're just like me but I thought because you wore this particular suit you know you're smiling you're carrying your bible that you didn't have this secret battle so ultimately I think anyone that's listening right now 
focus on Jesus when you go to church. Don't look at anyone around you. Just focus on on Christ, and yeah, he will he will help you. And I, I've said this on my podcast before that I feel like Christianity to me is having like a pill, like just yeah. a secret pill that you're taking that makes you feel better. And I kind of feel bad not sharing it with others. Hence why I've started being more open about my relationship with Christ on on this platform. So can we talk about if a Christian can get a divorce. Let's get into the nitty gritty of this. I want the audience to hear, because I've never heard anyone say what you have said on your platform. Ah, that's a big one. So, <laughs> um, so um, let, me just, let me just start by saying that, yes, a Christian can get a divorce. Uh, traditionally, the church has taught that um, a Christian can get a divorce if there's adultery, you know, or somebody dies. But when you read the scriptures, the whole of scripture properly, and the Old and New Testament, you actually find out that according to Deuteronomy um, 24, and in when you read Matthew 19, and, and I, I can't go, I don't want to do a theological conversation, but let me just summarize by saying, that a woman can a, 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 a woman or a man can get a divorce as long as it's a valid divorce. You can't separate um, and then sleep with somebody else. That is adultery. And what was happening in the Bible, um, in Bible times, was that people, men were separated from their wives because they did not want to pay back the dowry. <laughs> it's, it's down to money, trust me, Khalifa. Um, people, because in, in, in Hebrew culture, in the Asian culture, you married a woman and you paid an amount for her because yeah. she's valuable. And also, the dowry went into almost like um, a, as a security in case anything happened to the man, because most of the women in those days were not, um, were not independent. Yeah. like today they were not they were not breadwinners so the woman is generally speaking stayed at home took care of the kids so she was vulnerable she was dependent on the man so the diary was almost like her like her pension was like a four black four back um clause for her in case anything happened but if you if, the, if there's something wrong with the woman um and she messed up a man could divorce a woman but a woman could not divorce a man generally speaking yeah and so a man could divorce a woman and send her away. Now, if, and usually written into the contract was if the woman, if the woman messed up, then she can only get a percentage, maybe 25, or she forfeits her dowry. Wow. Uh, and so many men were separated from their wives because they didn't want to go through the proper process of giving her back her dowry or what was due to her. Because if you separate, she's still your wife, uh, but you're not living together, and another man cannot claim her as 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 a as a wife, and that was what was happening. So when Jesus Christ said, "If um, if anyone um, puts away his wife, yeah. except for um, adultery, makes her commit um, uh, adultery," he was talking about separation, not divorce. Okay, okay. So what what do you feel a ground for a divorce? The reason why I say this is because I have um, seen couples who, number one, they have empty shell relationships. Number two, their um, their spouse is having an affair. 
or like number three, domestic violence, um, financial abuse. And yet, okay. because of the church, they have decided to remain in that toxic situation just because of that quote unquote, um, yeah. God hates divorce. I've seen yeah. it through well, like my aunties, my mum my has experienced a divorce. And I don't know whether it's because I'm Nigerian as well, that people, that it's kind of like, no matter whether I've got a law degree or masters, a, a business owner, if you're not married, like all of that is null and void. Staying, mm. being married it's it's been placed on such a high pedestal no matter how yeah. toxic it is so what grounds do you think women and men have to actually be able to say do you know what this is not the will of god and so to make it very simple there are four grounds for divorce biblically speaking okay. you know three a's and a d abandonment abuse adultery and death okay um so in the old in the in, in the in the old testament if a man went away um to trade and didn't come back um to his home and was just going around the world and left his wife for years um that's called abandonment um if she, he did not provide her with three things um food clothing or, or shelter and sex mm-hmm. yes sex as in conjugal, her conjugal rights she could go um if in the bible if a man abused a woman and misused her even if she was a slave she could leave so those um, abuse is a very strong one abandonment is another one and even paul says if the um, unbelieving husband or wife wants to go let them go you're not you're not bound by that so if they if they go they abandon you abandon the relationship you can you can divorce the common one is adultery. That one the, the church has taught over over taught, and then death. You know, so um, this four uh, this four grounds, and you can unpack what you mean by abandonment and abuse on a number of of biblical grounds. So if you're not providing, if you're not sleeping together, um, if you are not um, providing the, um, the 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 needs for for the marriage. Um, to the woman or to the man, those are grounds for divorce. Now, the the reality is that pastors or leaders need to be careful so they don't give people just a willy-nilly excuse to say that I want a divorce. It's better if you have a pastor or a leader or counselor that can walk you through the issues in your marriage. Walk at it. Do the best. God hates separation. That word is not even is not even divorce. The, the 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 English translations translated as divorce. He 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 hates putting away, which was the separation part. So I don't want to get into that. So the church has taught for centuries a wrong, incomplete doctrine that um, you can only um, divorce if there's adultery or there's death. It's much more than that. The Bible is very explicit. Anybody listening to this podcast can go and read Deuteronomy 24 verses 1 through to 4. And you understand that God doesn't have an issue with divorce. He just wants the divorce to be properly done. Yeah. So why do you think that um, more people in the church are um, separating? Because studies show that it's kind of it's, it's kind of parallel to people that aren't even Christians. Well, I think because there are many 
that go to church and are not necessarily followers of Jesus. So the fact that you are, the church has 10,000, 20,000 people, maybe the followers of Jesus are 10%. <laughs> because I feel that if you're a true follower of Christ, um, number one, he, he, he brings you to a place of great humility. Mm-hmm. And, and he talks to you, he, he supports you. And you'll find out that one of the things that Jesus does so many times and, and will force you to do is to forgive, to forgive your partner. You know, rather than build up this resentment, forgive, talk. You know, so forgiveness is a very strong and powerful force that Jesus brings. He says that if somebody wants to go with you a mile, go with them 10, go with them two miles. If somebody wants your jacket, give them your vest. You know, if, if somebody slaps you on the, on, the, on the cheek, turn the other cheek. In other words, he's basically, when you, when you walk with the Lord and you follow Jesus, you'll find out that he will turn you into a wonderful wife, a wonderful husband, irrespective of your temperament. Not many, not many churchgoers are followers of Jesus. There are many churchgoers and there are fewer followers of Jesus. So when people say many Christians are now divorcing, <laughs> I say it's because there's a greater level of attendance in churches, not necessarily an increase in disciples in those churches. So then how then can you then cultivate those, um, I don't know, fruits of the spirit, such as forgiveness and letting go, when in actual fact, we learn about forgiveness from our parents, for example, mm-hmm. and we learn about our relationship. Because I up until the time that I had my son, that's when I really understood the love of God. Because I'm worrying about mm-hmm. this little creature every day. I'm praying <laughs> for this person. I'm feeding them. I'm bathing them. You know, so you, that's when I fully understood. And I respected my parents more. Like, ah, you lot really tried. So, mm-hmm. but in regards, the reason why I mentioned the parents' business is, like sometimes as parents, our parents will say, I forgive you, you know, for the offense, yeah. but then they will remind you. And that's how you did this in 95 and that in 96. <laughs> and that's how we are programmed to look at forgiveness, you know? So mm. even though we have said that we forgive, we don't really let go. And especially in a relationship, yeah. it kind of, it kind of piles up, up until the time it becomes a volcano and it comes out and people are saying, I want a divorce. So my question to you is how can we cultivate the gifts of the spirit so we can fully let go when people slap us on the on the left cheek and we're giving them a machete on the, <laughs> on the right yeah 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 yeah, yeah. I, I, there's a lot there there's a difference between forgiving and forgetting okay there's a difference between forgiving and forgetting so some people say i forgive but they don't forget so they bring it up like you're saying yeah yeah but one of the ways by which you can forget is thoroughly talking through an issue and what I mean by that is, so if somebody spilled milk, you hate people spilling milk. Yeah. You sit down and talk about why the other person is spilling milk. Maybe they love milk or whether they be careless about this. You talk about it and you talk it through to a point where you understand why the other person did what they did. When you come to an understanding of why a person does something, it releases the frustration and the pent up anger because many times the reason why we don't forget is because we, 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 we feel the person did it with intent. Yeah. But when you talk through, you discover there's so many things that we thought there was intent, but there was not intent. And that's when you release that person. 
And that's where forgiveness then follows forgetfulness. You don't hold it against them. So many times people don't truly forgive because they have not gone through the emotive um, discussion talk that releases or enables them to understand the why the person failed. When you understand the reasons why a person went through a red light, you know, so let me just give you this example. You, 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 you're a police officer and somebody runs through the red light at 100 miles an hour um, and you chase them and you stop them. And then as you, when you wind down the windows, you discover that there's a pregnant woman in the back who's bleeding and who needs a doctor immediately. That changes your perception of a fast-speeding driver. Yeah. Because you understand the reasons why he did what he did. Yeah. And, and many times we don't talk to a point why we understand why somebody went through a red light. So if, if, we, if we did, that we wouldn't give everybody a ticket so quickly. Mm. Yeah, you're right. You're right. So what tools then do you feel we need as women and men listening to actually have a successful marriage then? So we just have to get to the point whereby we don't give out tickets? <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that's a very broad, it is a marriage seminar in its own, but let, let me, I think, so if I was going to very, if I was going to very simplistic, so please forgive me if you think I'm being too, too, too simplistic. You have to come to one of our fortalist seminars to really hear this properly. But men need vitamin E3 and women need vitamin A3. Okay. A3 for a woman is attention, affirmation, and affection. Okay. And for a man, E3 is encouragement, esteem, and eros, which is Greek for sex. Mm-hmm. Now, that can be generalizing, but I believe it captures some uh, 90% of the essence of what makes a good marriage, where a man is sensitive to his wife to give her attention, look into her eyes, hear and listen to her. When she wants to do something, he, have, he affirms her, you can do this, honey. I, I believe that you've got what it takes. You know, an affection where he touches her, holds her, not because he wants sex, but because she needs those hugs or those texts or those emojis on a regular basis to show his affection towards her. Doing that on a regular basis helps the woman with her value, sense of value, sense of belonging, and sense of feeling loved. Yeah. For a man, um, the reason why many men end up sleeping with their secretaries, whether they're Asian, um, uh, African, or European, is because the, the woman who is serving him as secretary is respecting him, sir. When you want your cup of tea, oh, can I get this for you, sir? So psych- psychologically, she is, she is submitting to his leadership. Are you, am I making sense? Yeah, yeah. So... One of the best ways a woman can love a man is to respect him. Even when he's a jerk, even when he's stupid, even when he's, respect him, respect the office that he occupies. But isn't respect earned, though? So, honor, 
honor is different from respect because it, it, the word honor is what I'm talking about. Okay. When, when a man is a husband, he comes with an office called a husband. He's no longer just a man, he's now your husband. So honor the office of the of of the of of being a husband. And what I mean by that is, for example, there are certain things you wouldn't do publicly to, to him. Privately, you can have a go at him. Okay. But publicly, there are certain things you wouldn't do. There are certain things you won't say to him in front of the children, for example. I'm just using this as, as yeah. examples. You know, there are certain things that make him feel honored. So you find out what are the honor boxes for your husband. Mm. And you, you, it doesn't mean that you can't challenge him. That doesn't mean you can't, you know, you can't give him a, a, a real ticking off, you yeah. know. But there are many things that you do that makes him know that you honor him. Yeah. You, you, you respect him as your husband. And there's certain things you won't touch or do because it is the office that he occupies. If that makes sense, if I use the word office loosely, you know. Yeah. No, so, yeah, that's. I think what you're saying is actually right because I do feel like in relationships, when the honor slash respect is gone, that is when the deterioration of the relationship starts going. Yes. Yeah, but yeah. I then do think that there are certain men that have they, they resent it, but they don't make decisions. And then when the woman actually then starts being in the driver's seat, they resent that. But then you put me here because you're of poor decision making. You know, so it's, yeah. and I say to people a lot that the reason why I can't date anyone that's not working, that's not focused is because before he even met Adam, he already had a job. He already knew where he was going. He had a destiny. Yeah. He, he was, yeah, but, but, yeah. but that, that's a fact because not every man is a, is, a, is a husband and not every woman is a wife. Yeah. You have to find a man that is a husband and a woman that is a wife. Two yeah. different things. Yeah. So what are your thoughts on um, sex out of marriage? Oh, <laughs> every time the Bible talks about, and I'm speaking as a pastor now, this is my worldview. Okay. So in the world, in Hollywood, in society, sleeping with somebody that is not your husband or your wife is allowed. You know, it's a norm. Yeah. But within a Christian uh, worldview and the Bible, sex is always gift wrapped within a married relationship. So, sex outside of marriage that is why joseph when mary got pregnant yeah. was going to put her was going to put her away he was going to put her away that you can't be my wife yeah. and so you find that in the bible the bible teaches um the principle that sex is supposed to be in marriage in fact even in the old testament if a, if a man sleeps with a woman it's not rape okay the Bible says you have to marry her. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So the Bible teaches that because sex is such a powerful thing, because sex is, um, God designed sex as a coming together of two bodies, of two souls, and two beings. And when you lie down with a person, part of you is connected with that person, whether you like it or not, and um, pheromones biologically, psychologically, spiritually, so sex is not as, um, as casual as we tend to make it in our society. Sex is very heavy, you know, and it's, not, it's more than just God um, saying, 
I, I, I'm being, I want to be religiously conservative. He's basically saying for your own good, psychologically, for your own good, biologically, for your own good, spiritually, don't have sex except it is with your husband or your wife. So in that context, sex is within the, has to be in the context of marriage. And one of the things that the um, society and the enemy has done very, when I use the word enemy, I'm talking those who are anti um, Christian values um, have done successfully is to make sex casual and to make us value it as something that doesn't have any repercussions beyond um, the act. Yeah. Um, so to be honest, um, sex has to be gift wrapped within marriage. And um, one of the things the church doesn't do was talk about sex. Um, women need to be taken to, in my humble opinion, need to be taken to sex schools within a community and taught how to service their husbands and, and, and husbands how to, I'm seriously, how to service yeah. their wives. It's funny you, you know, say properly. that. It's funny you say that because I know that in the Bible somewhere, it says that the Hebrew women used to teach the young women how to be wives. And because me being Nigerian, I was always told that um, in Nigeria, a lot of married women would never get a caliber woman to be a house girl because apparently from when they're really young, they actually teach the, the young girls how to satisfy a man. So it's so weird that you just said that, but that's something that actually they do in Nigeria. And the Bible does say that like the Hebrew women taught the young women how to be wives. But when a lot of people have like fragmented relationships, that's very, it's very hard. We're just... Yeah, 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 making trying to put a, a round circle into a square box. We don't really know what a re healthy relationship looks like or how yeah. affects how you know. We the only things we see is from te television, really, in regards to a husband and wife, and that within itself isn't a great example. Yeah, we've we've lost we've lost that element of community and passing on knowledge because did you watch is it Bridgerton the the the, the popular Netflix program last year or year before? Um, is was called Bridgerton was this? Oh um, yeah, yeah. The um, were they black um, royalty? Yes, yeah. black and black white royalty. Yeah. Yes, you know, and they kind of dramatized the fact that the woman or the girls had no no clue what sex was about. Yeah. You know, and that is part of the problem. You know, it, the church needs to demystify. I mean, God was the one that defined that that designed the the sexual organs. He yeah. put nerve endings in, in our bodies. So yeah. God does know God is not prudish about, he's not, he's not shy when it comes to enjoyment and sensory and touch. And we need to celebrate this as part sexuality is part of our nature. God yeah. made us this. And we need to celebrate that and not be um shy or what's the word? Um embarrassed yeah. to, to to impart that knowledge to our children and to our communities, in my humble opinion. Yeah, no, definitely right. I haven't had the, the sex talk with my 10 year old yet, even though one of my close friends, um, she called me in a panic and she was saying something that she caught her son, because on YouTube, you can see the history. So she caught her 10 year old son looking up how to jerk off. And she was like, oh my God, what am I going <laughs> to do? So she, she, she spoke to him and he said he heard the older kids talking about it. So he went to go and investigate. So she said to me, if I had like the talk with my son and I was like, nope, I do not want to bridge that topic. And I don't, yeah. <laughs> I'm so I, I, scared. I don't, think, I don't think it's the talk. I think it's a gradual talking. Because I think it's something that when they're two or three, you know, um, certain little ways in which you can 
you know, um, express sexuality at that level, you yeah. know, where they are giggling when you touch them in certain areas. I say, oh, no, that's fine. Yeah. You know, that, 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 that's a sensitive sport. That's your sensitive sport, whatever. You know, gradually you begin to introduce um, the, sexual, the sexual language so that it does, it, it, because the reason why it becomes the talk is because we, we don't address it at all. Yeah, you know. yeah, and I think that oftentimes if you get it wrong, um, it can scar. Because I remember when I started yes. my period at 11, my mom's advice was, don't let anybody touch you, you get pregnant. So I was like, oh, <laughs> so, <laughs> so afraid, like no boy should touch me because I didn't want this. Yeah. You know, so I think we, we need to have some sort of education and some sort of, you know, breakdown. And this is how you approach the topic with your children. So they don't end up learning outside, like yeah. Madam, Madam I, over I, here did. With very very bad advice that your friends give you <laughs> so yeah um i was going to ask you um because obviously this is a single mother platform if you wouldn't mind praying for single moms because the pandemic has yeah. been really hard um i strongly believe that we do need um jesus and i said this to my friend yesterday actually because we were talking about religion and he said that he didn't believe in god and i said you know what even if yeah hypothet hypothetically i am wrong that there is no god you know that we've had this big bang and yes the darwin theory is real I would rather believe. I would mm. rather have. I would rather believe than not believe because I yeah. do not want that responsibility. Especially when I make decisions, I, like my mom says, your even your own teeth bite your tongue. You know, we we think that we're wise in our own eyes, but then hindsight shows us that we're not that wise. So I would yeah. rather have something to believe in than not the same way some people want to believe in love or they want to believe that the government is good or they want to. Be, I would rather have that. And put the burden mm. of life on someone else then yeah put it on myself so yeah. um yeah you're on a single mom's platform <laughs> i would love for you to no, pray for us please I, I think i think i i think super i think um single more single moms are superheroes oh no seriously and and I, I don't mean that in a funny way i'm not trying to patronize you guys just like the nhs stops and claps for the and so the walk stop, stops and claps for the nhs i think we should have a clap for single mothers or single oh, parents because you're doing the jobs of two people you're having to be mom and dad mm -hmm. you know you're having to um, nurture another human being or other human beings when somebody has left the home um you are having to wonder about your 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 child or children and you don't have somebody there in the bed to say you know what do you think which school should we go to should we send him to or her to you know so you're having to do a lot of things on your own so it's not easy and that's why i believe that every single woman or single mother single mother actually needs jesus you know to be there to say jesus you know what i just need you you know i i think it's it's very healthy so I pray for every single mother that is watching this, that you will have divine support. Amen. I pray that God will send you um, human and supernatural angels to support you in the nurture of this wonderful life and lives that you are influencing. I pray that God will guide you in your decision-making, that you will make the right decision for your child for your children you know i pray that you will have the right emotional support and that you will not lose it and feel alone i pray that on the lonely nights when there's nobody there 
and your body, your mind is crying out for companionship, that God will strengthen you and God will support you and God will get you through every period of temptation, depression and frustration and bring you out onto the other side, complete and whole in Jesus' name. Okay. So I celebrate you single mothers and single parents that may you flourish and may you see the result of your labor and your children will grow up and they will make you smile and make you laugh. Amen. Pastor, thank you so much. That was a wonderful prayer. Where can people find you, find your church? Um, he wrote a book, guys, so he's going to let us know a bit about that. So where can people find you on social media, your church? You know, at Jonathan Oluyade, or they can just go to citychapel.org.uk. So at Jonathan Oluyade um, is, my, is my social media handle, um, either on Twitter, on Facebook, and on Instagram. So that's my name and my son name together at uh, Jonathan Lady. And then the book, they can go to visionoflights.com and they can and they can they can connect or they can just go to citychapel.org.uk. Mm. So those are my social media connections on this platform for today. Pastor, I want to thank you so much for taking up the time and coming on the Happy Single Moms podcast. It's been my honor. Thank you. I'm breaking your arms, I lose control. When I get